This is the Genuine Joy Podcast, where we dig deeper into how we attempt to find true happiness while navigating life. We're your hosts, Matt. And Kelsey. And we're bringing you 100% organic and sustainable amateur advice to brighten your day and maybe even help you look at the world a little differently. Hi, and welcome back to the Genuine Joy Podcast. I am here today with Katie Hunter, a pelvic floor physical therapist. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you here because, man, the pelvic floor is this mysterious thing that I've just learned so much about since having a baby. Um, So before we jump into it, can you introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So um, like you said, my name is Katie Hunter. I am a pelvic floor physical therapist or pelvic health, however you want to look at it. Um, I am the clinic director of the Pelvic Health and Rehab Center in Westlake Village. So that's where you can find me. Uh, But I specialize in pretty much anything bladder, bowel, sexual, and pelvic floor dysfunction related. (laughs) Wow. And how did you get into this? So... um, I started in physical therapy school when I went to school. I was interested in treating dancers and working with dancers. And through school, I learned that a lot of dancers have pelvic floor dysfunction. So I thought that as a student, I needed to learn as much as possible, including anything pelvic floor related. So I sought out a clinical rotation at a clinic that solely treated pelvic health disorders and um, just like completely got sucked in. I was so fascinated by everything and kind of never looked back. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy to me, first of all, that, you know, the pelvic floor is not like talked about. I never really knew what it was. I mean, I've heard of like Kegels before, but that's about it. (laughs) And um, once I had a baby, I will never forget. I, um, I don't even think I had said what my symptoms were on Instagram or anything, but some people were like, make sure you go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. And I was like, what? What is that? I've never even heard of it. Um, and so first I'll start off by telling you guys my um, experience with them. Um, I had heard about them and I wasn't sure. I was like, "Is am I okay down there? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like everyone's wrecked a little bit down there after you have a kid. Like what's normal? What should I wait to see? Um, and I remember... Um, so when you have sex for the first time after having a baby, it's going to hurt a little. And I knew that was going to happen. So the first time I'm like, okay, it hurt a little and we're fine. And then the second time it hurt again. And I heard like, it should only hurt the first time. And I was like, "Mm, that's really uncomfortable. Like this is no fun at all. Um, And so I thought that could be a reason to go see. And there was another symptom. I think it was like, it wasn't easy to pee. I was like pushing pee out or something like that. So I ended up going to see a pelvic floor physical therapist and it was incredible. First of all, we sat down for a while and she just chatted with me and told me all about the pelvic floor. She like brought over like a, um, like a model and showed me everything and showed me what happens when you have a baby and everything. And then um, she did an exam and she was like, okay, so you're like hyper. I don't know. It was like too tight up there instead of like, it can be either weak or tight, I guess. And I learned all of that. And she was like, okay, this is pretty easy. Just like do a couple of these exercises, do this. Um, And luckily I didn't have that big of issues, but she gave me like these whole sheets of all these exercises and like how my, I should do stomach breathing and like breathe out in my stomach and then push in my abs when I like, I don't know. It was very in what is it called? Eye-opening. Um, because yeah. I did those exercises for like a week and all the problems were gone. 
like immediately. I was like, I don't, I guess I don't have to go back. Like I have no problems anymore. Um, and I feel like there are so many issues, especially which we'll get into this episode, um, like bladder issues having to do after you have a baby. That was a huge response. People wrote back having bladder issues. And I've always known, like I've heard that too. Like even my mom will say she still can't do like jumping jacks. And it's just, I think people, a lot of people just accept like that's what happens after you have a baby, end of story. Um, And after learning about this and realizing there's so much you can do, I've just been so intrigued. So I would love to just jump into some questions. A lot of people were wondering, how do you know if you need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist? Yes. So this is a great question and a a great place to start off. Um, Like you mentioned, some symptoms after having a baby are normal, especially within the first couple of weeks. Your body is going through so much. Um, So some symptoms can be normal, but it's a big misconception that these symptoms should last your entire life. So any symptoms related to bladder, bowel, or sexual function, which could be leaking, it could be, um, like you said, difficulty emptying your bladder, it could be constipation, it could be not being able to hold in gas or stool even, um, and then a lot related to sex and exercise. So pain during sex, any pain either with insertion or deeper penetration, Um, difficulty returning to exercise. A lot of women will tell me that they just feel like their body hasn't been put back together properly um, or they're not being held up and supported the way way that they should be. Um, And then I'm also going to give a little shout out to any of your male followers because yeah, men can also have pelvic floor dysfunction. They have a pelvic floor too. Um, and same, same symptoms that could be leaking. It could be difficulty emptying their bladder. It could be urinary urgency and frequency, um, erectile dysfunction or difficulty achieving climax and ejaculating. So, um, mm-hmm. they, yeah, any of those symptoms you can benefit from a pelvic floor PT. Yeah. And I, a lot of people, of course, were asking questions about pregnancy and postpartum, but a lot of people were even wondering, is this something that you can do before getting pregnant to help? strengthen stuff or whatever. Yeah. I love, love that question. Um, it's something I have thought about many times and I've talked to friends about. Um, I do think that it is worth seeing a pelvic floor PT before you get pregnant or, um, somewhere early in the pregnancy. So after we find out that a woman's pregnant, we won't typically do internal work unless it's specifically requested by the doctor for the first 12 weeks. So once they're past that 12-week window, then we can start doing internal. And that's really how you assess the pelvic floor. We can go into more detail on that if you're interested. Um, so that being said, they could. it would be great to come in before you're pregnant or once you hit your second trimester to kind of get a baseline for what your pelvic floor is like before you have the baby, what the strength is like, what your control, if you have the awareness, if you're doing the exercises correctly, um, and then definitely coming back after you have a baby to see, to be able to compare your baseline to now what your body is like. Right. That makes sense. Um, And when you are growing that baby, you're in that second trimester and you're in there figuring out what's going on. What happens to your pelvic floor when you're growing a baby? Does it just like, I know it's a lot of pressure on it, of course. And can you, before I even get into that, can you explain like what is the pelvic floor? Is it just like a bunch of muscles down there or what? 
Oh yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so the pelvic floor muscles are our kind of Kegel muscles. Most people have heard of a Kegel, but if you haven't heard of a Kegel, it's what you do when you squeeze your muscles to stop urine or stop gas from passing. So the pelvic floor is the muscle group that supports us from underneath the pelvis, the area if you're sitting that you're sitting on. Um, and they surround the openings, the urethra where urine comes out, the vaginal opening and the anal opening, or just urethra and anal opening for men. Uh, they keep those openings closed so that we can control our bladder and bowels, and they relax every time you go to the bathroom. So they are muscles that we do have control over, just like every other muscle in our body, but they're also muscles that we are using every sing single day. Uh, they work very reflexively, so a lot of what the muscles do are not necessarily under our control. They're more under the control of the nervous system, but it's important for people to know that you can control these muscles. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when you're pregnant, is it just your baby's growing and it's pushing down on there? And what can we do when we're pregnant to support all of this? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think the biggest change is that the pelvic floor goes through and kind of the whole pelvic area in general is that there's a lot of ligament laxity when you're pregnant. So the ligaments in the pelvis have to become more flexible in order to allow the pelvis to really change and open as you're growing a baby and then preparing for labor and delivery. So with that laxity, your body loses some of its natural stability. Kind of our ligaments are what holds our bones and our joints together. And when those become lax, we rely more on our muscles to hold us together. And that includes the pelvic floor. So, the pelvic floor muscles are also gaining a little bit of laxity. Like you said, there's a lot of pressure on the area, but we have nice hormones circulating. There's a lot of blood flow to that area. So they're not becoming lax to the point that it's concerning, um, but they do have to work a little bit harder. So they're naturally more lax, but they're also contracting a little bit more to keep everything inside. I would say that those are the biggest changes that happen during pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and so well, let's say once you have your baby, you're, there's some normal things, at, there's some not. Mm -hmm. At what point um, do you, should people decide to come in? Just if, if it's pain and pain and sex and difficulty peeing. I know a big thing is the difficulty um, keeping pee in, jumping. And I know you mentioned exercise too, like a lot of people just start six weeks out. And especially when I went to my six week, you know, postpartum at my OB, um, which I did not like my OB, I'm getting a new one next time I get pregnant. <laughs> but um, like, he didn't even do an internal exam. It was just like six weeks. And it, he was just like, you feel good? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And he's like, okay, bye. I'm like, oh, well, that, is that it? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I know, I, I know my OB didn't say anything about pelvic floor at all. Um, is that common? different yeah. OBs not to know because I feel like that's terrible. Um, and then it makes you probably feel like, oh, I'm just complaining if I have something wrong or, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so there is, there's a lot of things to unpack with everything yeah, that you've said. I know. I said a lot. <laughs> but it's all so important. So there's a big shift happening right now in our country uh, related to anything pregnancy postpartum related, which it, we're all very happy to see. Um, the American College of OB-GYN or ACOG just put out an opinion piece last year stating that women basically need more postpartum follow-up and care. 
the typical care has been the six-week follow-up, like you mentioned. It's very common for your doctor to not do any type of exam during that time because they're kind of going based on symptoms. So if you're not really having any symptoms or concerns, they don't really feel like they need to do that internal exam. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're just sort of cleared for sex and exercise right at that appointment. Um, what the opinion piece is recommending is that doctors do more follow-up early on. So a two-week follow-up and then the six-week follow-up. And then they're also recommending a 12-week follow-up. Mm. The problem that women will run into is that insurance still has to catch up. So insurance isn't going to cover the 12 week follow-up appointment with the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm hoping that we'll see is that doctors will start referring more outside providers that your insurance company might uh, cover, which could include um, some sort of midwife or postpartum doula or pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, so that's the, kind of the first yeah, thing. That's awesome to hear. I mean, I've heard it so many times, but it's so true of like, you have this baby, you're going through this huge change in your body. And then like, you're going to the doctor every five minutes for your baby and everyone forgets about the mom and you're just like, deal with it, figure your life out. Totally. And it's, it's just such a scary time too. Um, so that's really good to know, especially when you're cleared for exercise. I know a lot of people just want to jump right back into it. Um, and I feel like that could wreck things down there. Is that true? If you do the wrong exercise too soon, is it going to be bad for down there? Yeah, kind of, kind of. With <laughs> maybe it won't wreck you, but it may not help. <laughs> um, so the there were so many things that you said earlier that I I definitely want to make sure that we're yeah. covering because I think they're super important. Um, I will for. For one, I'll talk about during pregnancy because a lot of women do experience symptoms during their pregnancy. Um, and the biggest ones being urinary incontinence. Um, a lot of women start leaking uh, around their pregnancies. And most doctors will sort of put it off like, well, you're pregnant. Sorry to hear that. But when you're not pregnant anymore, that should go away, which is not mm -hmm. necessarily true. And something I think is important for women to know is that research shows that if you start addressing it while you're pregnant, you'll have a better time in your recovery and are more likely to get on top of that leaking postpartum. So I do think it's important for women to, if they are experiencing symptoms, to see someone like a pelvic floor PT to assess their pelvic floor even before they deliver. Um, and then the other big thing that I think we're going to talk about in a little bit is diastasis. So a diastasis mm. recti, um, you can see that during the pregnancy, but it's something like in the 80th, like 80% or plus of women by the third trimester is going to have a diastasis. So it's important during pregnancy to really slow down and pay attention and work with a, a fitness instructor who has pregnancy specific training um, to look out for that so that it's not out of control by the time they reach postpartum. Yeah. Um, but then definitely after six weeks when you're cleared, if something doesn't feel right or you're having symptoms, whether it's leaking or back pain or pelvic pain um, or that what I was describing, just feeling like you're not put back together, mm -hmm. then that's definitely not the, the right exercise for you. And you could potentially create more damage if you just try to push through it. So 
Yeah. I mean, I'd love to dive into the diastasis recti. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah, that was definitely something. The main exercise I did last time I was pregnant was um, Pilates. And luckily one of the instructors I went to was awesome, but like, you know, it was a, in a studio, so it wasn't always the same instructor. And I could tell there was just the one gal who knew what she was doing and she would, you know, tell me like the coning, you don't want your belly to cone when yeah. you're doing anything or, you know, there's just lots of things I should, I should stop doing. Um, but then other people that didn't know that I would, I would modify based on what the other gal had told me. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, tr just leave me alone. I'm pregnant. Let me do my thing. But I can't imagine if I didn't even have her, I would have just continued doing all kinds of stuff. So that is really a good idea to, to find someone who can help you out there. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and ab separation and all of that stuff? Yes, for sure. Um, so a everyone says it a little bit differently, but diastasis recti, diastasis recti, it's all kind of the same thing, um, is when the deep fascia of the abs, which is called the linea alba, separates. So there's a reason we have that. It's so that the belly can grow, whether it's because people are gaining weight or because you're pregnant. Um, and it, it allows the abdominal wall to stretch and expand. But at the same time, what it does is you you lose some of your abdominal integrity and can't do the same types of core exercises that you would if it wasn't stretched out like that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned coning. Um, some may call it tenting, coning, doming, bulging. It's basically when you see the center line of your abdomen, like, po like pooching out. Is yeah. that yeah, it kind of almost comes like a point versus round. It's right, exactly. More, yeah. Yes, like the abs should be flat when you're doing core exercises. And if you're seeing anything sort of doming out and away from your body or becoming round or cone-like, like you mm -hmm. described, uh, then you might have a diastasis and definitely want to get that checked out. But that is for sure a sign that that exercise is not a good exercise to be doing. Um, and a lot of women, especially high level athletes want to push through that because they're used to pushing their pod, their bodies past a certain point in order to make gains. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's something that you don't want to push past because you'll actually just create more of a separation and mm -hmm. more of a problem in the abdominal wall, which is associated with back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction. So yeah. How are they related? The pelvic floor and the abs and all that. Yeah. Um, so the pelvic floor is part of our deep core. Most people talk about the abs when they hear about the core. Um, but the deepest core muscle is called the transverse abdominis. So we have three layers of abs. The top layer is kind of the six pack most people see. The deeper layer is the obliques, the second layer, which does a lot of twisting and side bending movements. And then you have your deepest transverse abdominus layer, which really wraps around us like a belt, kind of like somebody, uh, like you see a weightlifting belt or you see a, somebody wearing a belt at Home Depot. Um, it's our internal belt. Uh, the pelvic floor and that deepest muscle, the transverse abdominus, work together along with the back and the diaphragm, which controls our breathing. So that's would explain why you got some breathing training when you went to a pelvic floor PT yeah. before. Um, and they're all connected to, in some way, to either the trunk or the pelvic girdle, which is the pelvic bones. So that's how they 
yeah. all connected, um, but they sense. work together to stabilize the back, to stabilize the pelvic joints, to keep all of the organs inside, right? So you can have a hernia essentially or a prolapse of the organs into the pelvis, or you can have a hernia out the abdominal wall. That's they're very similar, but okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. I was really amazed at how the, one of the exercises she gave me was like push literally physically pushing my abs back together as I breathe, as I took yeah. breaths. And it was just so interesting because I did have a little separation, but I'm assuming it closed now. I don't know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. I remember actually too that, um, the, what's it called? The Pilates instructor that knew all the stuff. Um, I went back there. I think at, like when they cleared me for exercise, I was like, oh, this is like an, I'll do like an easy class to start like easing into stuff. And um, she, she was like, can I measure you? Can I see how it is and feel? I'm like, sure. And she went in there and dug in and felt. And she said, yeah, it's a, it's like a inch or I don't know. She told me how big it was. Um, yeah. But even that was just so helpful because I was like, oh, I hadn't realized it's hard to tell, especially if it's not. I know there was probably worst cases where you can tell. Um, but when it's like not too bad, but still causing some issues. Yeah. Anyways, very interesting. Um, I got a lot of people wondering too, like if it's ever too late to repair your pelvic floor, some people said I had three kids 20 years ago. Is it too late? Some people said I've had, you know, one kid 10 months ago. Is it too late? So is it ever too late? It is not. And I'm so glad that people are asking that question. Um, the pelvic floor is muscle. It's skeletal muscle, just like the muscles in our arms and our legs and our abs and our back. So it's muscle. We can always make improvements on muscle. We can strengthen muscle. We can lengthen muscle. Um, we can improve how we control the muscle. So it is never too late. Of course, the sooner, the better, the better the outcomes or the quicker mm -hmm. the progress they make, but it is never too late. Okay. That's good to know for everybody, I'm sure. Um, and people are wondering, how can you tell if you it's too tight or too weak down there? Yeah, I like that question too. Um, so something, I'll just kind of like change the language a little bit. Um, you can have a tight and a weak muscle. Hmm. So it's kind of dependent on the length of the muscle more than the, or the strength, I will say, is dependent on the length. Uh, so if a muscle is too lengthened, it can be weak. And that's usually what we, we think of when we think of a weak muscle, like weak abs are too lengthened. So they're sort of like your belly's just kind of falling out, right? It's not holding you in. Uh, same thing with the pelvic floor. They can be too lengthened and then they're weak. But you can also have a muscle that's too short and therefore it's weak. Okay. Uh, and that would be like a tight muscle. So you can have a little bit of both. Uh, the best way to tell, honestly, I, I feel like I'm now sounding like a broken record, but the best way to tell is to see a pelvic floor PT. Yeah. Um, I really thought about that question for a while. And I thought if my really close family member or friend asked me that question, how would I answer? And I, part of me wanted to say like, just stick your finger inside your vagina and try yeah. to feel what it feels like. Or can you Kegel around it? Can you squeeze around it? And do you feel the muscles contracting as your fingers inside? Um, but there's so much that people just don't know and understand about the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. uh, but your symptoms also drive kind of an idea if there's something wrong. So if you're having symptoms, if you're feeling leaking or pressure in the pelvis, um, or you're having trouble controlling those things, or you're having pain, that's a sign that there's something wrong. 
Yeah. And when you're going in, if someone was to go in for an appointment, what is, at least for you, I know what my experience was like, but what does a typical um, exam look like? Yes. Yeah. Um, so we initially just take kind of a history, what's going on, what are the symptoms? It starts out with talking. Um, then I always do a little bit of public floor education so people know where I'm working and what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a little bit of an external exam. So depending on what they're coming in for, I might check their posture. I might check the way that they move or walk. Um, I may be looking at the structure of the pelvis from the outside and any muscles that attach to the pelvis. Mm -hmm. And then um, from there, I'll do the internal exam. So it might be internally, vaginally, or it might be internally, rectally. If I see a male patient, I do check internally as well, and that's done rectally. And I'm looking for kind of the resting state of the muscle, which we call tone. You mentioned earlier, you can have a hypertonic pelvic floor, you can have a hypotonic pelvic floor, which means it's either kind of tight and short or loose and lax. Mm -hmm. um, and then we check the strength, the control, the endurance of the muscle, and I always check how that relates to the rest of the core. So I may do an abdominal assessment as well. And mm -hmm. postpartum, I always check for diastasis just to be sure. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I even I remember when she was in there feeling around doing stuff, uh, she was even like, you know, there's some scarring because, you know, there's um, even just within there, when you push a baby out, lots of stuff's going on. So she just like, like kind of massaged it and like, help. she's like, this will help. You know, she's just massaging for a while. I'm like, great. Thanks. It's all these things that it, I can't recommend it enough, honestly. And I know a lot of people were asking, like, it can be really expensive. Is there any other way? I even recommend, you know, saving up for at least one appointment because just that one for me was huge. And I know if you have serious issues, it's probably good to go back for multiple, but even just having someone explain to you what's going on with your body, it's like empowering, you know, to like, be like I, I know what's happening and I'm just not walking around thinking, you know, what's down there. I don't know. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So let's dive into the whole incontinence thing a little more. Um, that was honestly like hundreds of people saying, I can't jump up and down. I, whenever I sneeze, I'm peeing. What on earth is happening? What can I do? Um, is there anything just like a, a standard sort of exercise people can do to help? Is it Kegels? Is there anything in particular? Ooh, um, I wish that it was a one size fits all kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Kegels are generally what's recommended. I even have a lot of women who do go back to their OB-GYNs and are told to just start doing Kegel exercises. Um, I think that is generally what women need, but there's always the exception of women who have kind of that short, tight pelvic floor that's also weak. And in those cases, Kegel exercises aren't going to cut it. Um, so I agree that everyone should be guided in their Kegel exercises and should see a pelvic floor PT at least that one time to get the education and idea of what their muscle, the state of their muscles. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would also say that if you decide to just start doing Kegels right away, um, if they're not, if you're not seeing improvements in your symptoms within like three weeks, then I think it's worth seeing a pelvic floor PT because it's possible Kegels aren't the right exercise or it's possible that you're not even Kegeling correctly. You're using a different right. muscle. Yeah. Yeah. How would you know if you're doing it correctly? Is it 
possible to tell by yourself or do you need someone to have their fingers up there while you're doing it? <laughs> kind of. I mean, there, there are ways that you know you're doing them wrong. So uh, if you're holding your breath, if you're leaking during Kegels, it's definitely a sign you're doing them wrong. Um, if you feel like you're tightening your abs really hard, that's not your pelvic floor, that's your abs. Um, nothing should be moving when you do a Kegel. So you should be able to do a Kegel exercise and nobody can tell your legs. Like I'm just, I just did. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was thinking about it and I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." I wonder how many people are doing it right now as they're listening. Everyone around the world, Kegels for all. I think every every time we start talking about Kegels, people start doing "Mm it. Yeah, you have to. (laughs) (laughs) I have to know what we're talking about. Hello. (laughs) Um, But that's good to know. Yeah. I feel like in all of this, it's kind of like, go get it checked out. See, it's hard to ever tell what's going on unless you have someone telling you. That didn't make any sense, but you know what I mean. I do, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, another thing that came up was prolapse, which I've just recently heard more about. Can you explain what that is to start with? Yes, for sure. Um, So prolapse is when the organs in the pelvis has have shifted and dropped deeper into the pelvic bowl. So the pelvis itself is a bowl and it's any of the, it really can be any organ, but mainly the pelvic organs, which in women would be the bladder, the uterus and the rectum. And it's where those organs have now shifted closer to the vaginal opening or potentially the other openings and, or have shifted out of the opening it's not an emergency. It's not, I know it sounds really scary, but it's not life-threatening. The prolapse itself does not necessarily mean that you are seriously ill or injured, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a sign that your muscles aren't holding you together, which it could be just the pelvic floor, or it could be a combination of all of your core muscles just not working properly. And that pressure in the body has now caused those organs to shift downwards. Okay. And is it possible to like reverse that, bring them back up? So (laughs) that's a question I get all the time and (laughs) it's a great idea. Um, There's no guarantee. So I have seen women who by doing the proper corrective exercises, the organ does kind of shift and move back into place. I think that's more likely to happen early postpartum. So I definitely recommend if women are starting to see that something might be dropping or they're feeling a lot of heaviness to to get it checked by either your gynecologist or pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, But there's no guarantee. So the muscles can still be strong but the organ didn't return to its natural place. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that it needs to be fixed as long as your pelvic floor is working and it's able to maintain the organ inside your body. There's nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's something where the organ has progressed past the opening and past the pelvic floor, then you might need a little extra assistance, whether it's with a Uh, pessary, which is like a splint you insert and it lifts the organ back up or um, with surgery, unfortunately. But surgery is usually the last resort and it's something that you wouldn't even consider if you're still wanting to have children. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, uh, One other thing is people were talking about um, having C-sections and um, having a bunch of scar tissue. Is that something you guys can help with too? And how, how does that work? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, so uh, PT uh, can 
themselves do scar tissue mobilization or teach the person how to do it themselves. So it is something that you can do at home. Um, you can have scar tissue from a C-section or you can have scar tissue from a tear or an episiotomy at mm-hmm. the perineum, which is the tissue that's most likely to tear that separates the vaginal opening from the anal opening. Um, but you can kind of do a little massage or something that we call skin rolling on the area, breaking up those adhesions to make the scar more flexible and to help it get more blood flow um, and to make it less painful. So that's usually the time it's most important when women are like, I'm having trouble wearing pants or the seatbelt going across my lap is really uncomfortable because it's rubbing against the scar. Mm -hmm. Then you definitely want to get that treated. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I think she uh, rubbed that out too. <laughs> I had like a second degree tear <laughs> when I gave birth, which actually wasn't that bad. Like, cause down there, you know, I'm like spraying witch hazel and on numbing stuff for like the, you know, the first month of the diaper on. So by the time I looked down there, I was like, it's all good. <laughs> Just can't, can't look for a while. Um, yeah. So I had one question that was very specific. So I thought I'd just ask you. Um, and, that, and someone said, could this benefit a spinal cord injury patient whose pelvic floor is tight post-surgery? So like, I think that goes under, there was other questions, pelvic floor issues unrelated to pregnancy and um, how they can help that. I'm sure probably still going to a PT. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it is a good question. So um for a little background with a spinal cord injury, there's you can have a complete or an incomplete spinal cord injury. A complete injury is where they have no sensation below the level of the injury um, and no control. So in those cases, there's not a whole lot that we can do for the pelvic floor because it's no longer under their control. For an incomplete spinal cord injury where they do have maybe some like patches of sensation and patches of sensation that has been lost, uh, we may be able to help. It's still a really tough uh, population to address, but Mm -hmm. anyone who has a pelvic floor and can control those muscles can benefit from addressing it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know all of this. It's, I'm so glad I know about it now, especially for next time I have kids. And, um, I'm wondering if like at that six week OB appointment, if I should ask like, Hey, I went to a pelvic floor PT last time. Can you, can you ask for like an internal exam? Like, can you tell me if I should go see one? I would love a recommendation or like, how does someone even find a pelvic floor PT? Yes, for sure. Um, so with the Going to the appointment with this at the six week, I think it's important to have an honest conversation with your doctor, mm-hmm. uh, but you can definitely ask if they support pelvic floor PT, if they have somebody that they recommend. They don't necessarily have to do an internal exam, although some doctors may require it in order mm-hmm. to feel comfortable about writing that referral. Uh, mm-hmm. But also in many states now, including California, you don't need a referral to see a physical therapist. So mm-hmm. you could just on your own, call up the office, make the appointment, and see from the PT themselves if pelvic floor PT is something that you need. Um, so that's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think I um, actually, I think I got a recommendation from someone on Instagram, but then I looked it up and I was like, great, there's an office right down the street. This is perfect. Um, and then I realized when I did um, Yelp it or whatever, they were, they were all over. I was like, yeah. This is like a little hidden gem all over the all over the place. It's crazy. It's so true. That's why I love talking about it because so many people just don't even know that it exists. 
Um, yeah. I did ask how someone could find a pelvic floor PT. Yes. Uh, so there are many different resources. I mean, of course, you could just Google pelvic floor PT, or you could start asking family members and friends if anyone has seen one. Um, there's also databases. So uh, there's a company called Herman and Wallace Institute, which is a pelvic rehab institute that teaches providers how to do pelvic floor PT, essentially. Um, and they have a, a PT locator. I think it's, it's um, find a practitioner on their website. Okay. And then uh, the American Physical Therapy Association, okay. they have a section of women's health, which also has a PT locator on there. Um, and you just kind of type in your location and they tell you all the PTs in the area that Amazing. Yeah. We'll add links to all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and can you tell everyone before, I have a couple more questions, but can you tell everyone where to find you to begin with? Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, so like I said, I work for a company called Pelvic Health and Rehabilitation Center. I am located in the Westlake Village location, which is in California, in Southern California. Um, I also have an Instagram if people are interested. My name is Katie Hunter. My Instagram is at Katie Hunter underscore DPT. Cool. So, yeah, check me out. Awesome. Uh, yes. Company. They yeah. Have great, they have an amazing blog. Sorry, I'm going to plug that for a oh, second. Oh, good. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, so it's a weekly blog that goes out and we, all of the physical therapists within the company, which I think at this point, there's something like 13 PTs across the country. Uh, we all take turns submitting for the blog. So it's written by all the PTs and very well re, uh, researched information. So I really that's, love the blog. That's awesome. And I did want to say too, a bunch of people had messaged me, um, or in the question box I did, they had said, oh, there's also this great like um, exercise program for the pelvic floor. There's these different things, which I feel like are probably good. But once I went in and realized that there's different types of pelvic floor problems, like like we talked about the different, um, like weak and tight and all that stuff, um, it's, I would hate for someone to do something without getting checked out and like make either make a problem worse or just not be helping them. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. And, and there are really great resources out there. So that's why mm -hmm. I think at least doing, like you said, the one appointment to learn specifically what's going on in your body and what you need to work on. Mm -hmm. And then there are things that you can do at home. So um, there is the mummy tummy. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's mm -hmm. for diastasis. It's an at home video um, educational program. Great. Um, there is a, another one called Habit, H-A-B hyphen I-T, Habit, uh, that is about pelvic floor and a little bit more about prolapse and urinary incontinence, but a similar idea. And then the company LV, I think that you or your followers might know it more for the breast pump. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the LV, but they have an LV trainer, which is a device you can insert vaginally. Mm -hmm. And it connects to your phone and tells you kind of what's going on within your pelvic floor. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So they're, it's a really cool device. They just aren't a perfect system and could, could potentially be picking up other muscle activities. So that's why mm -hmm. I still always recommend a pelvic floor PT to start. But those are things you can work on at home too. Yeah, that's good to know. Thank you. Um, and do you feel like we missed anything about the pelvic floor? <laughs> Ooh, we didn't talk a whole lot about pelvic pain, and it's something that you did okay. mention, and pain um, 
particularly with sex after having a baby. I think that mm-hmm. is very common and a lot of people have questions, I'm sure. Um, so like you mentioned that maybe the first time back, it's a little bit uncomfortable. There's many reasons for that. So if you're mm-hmm. breastfeeding, you don't have kind of the proper estrogen balance to lubricate the Mm -hmm. vagina. So a lot of women talk about it feeling really dry and a lubricant would be great for that. Um, There is, I'm also going to share about some of my favorite lubricants because not all lubricants are the same. So uh, there is one, there's a company called Good Clean Love that has a very good vaginal lubricant that um, is not filled with chemicals. Fabulous. Yes. Another company called Slippery Stuff same thing, no parabens, no um, uh, fragrances, so very healthy for the vagina. And then coconut oil is a nice natural lubricant that you can use, um, but you can't use it with condoms. So if you're using condoms, then do not use coconut oil. Hmm. Um, So that's one thing. It could be hormonal. And then the other part of it is pelvic floor and also that tissue healing that's going on around the perineum if you had a vaginal delivery. Although women who have had C-sections can also have pain with sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, I kind of describe it like what you were mentioning, where the last time your body went through a stretch in that area, it was a very big stretch. It for some was very traumatic and for most very painful. And so you try to go through that again and it's kind of like when you burn your hand and then the next time you get close to whatever, you know, the flame on the stove or something like that, you pull away immediately because your body has now learned from past experiences and it's trying to prevent you from hurting yourself again. (laughs) So the first time it's, I, I would agree, it's normal for you to be a little bit worried or concerned that it's going to be uncomfortable, that everything's going to work correctly. Um, but if it keeps happening, especially like you're getting past the three to six month mark postpartum and you're still having pain with sex at that point, it's not considered normal. There's something else going on and then it's worth getting checked out. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to just be like, I'm just, I'm never going to do it again. It's fine. Exactly. (laughs) No, let's let's fix it. You want more kids. Exactly. Right. Um, so that's all so interesting. Thank you so much for all that info. Um, if you're wondering why I ha- we are having you on for the Genuine Joy podcast, it's because it's much more, you can be a much more happy person when everything's working down there. Because <laughs> I am so glad I haven't had any bladder control issues, but if that's something affecting you, it's, you should take care of it because man, that you sneeze a lot because if you have a toddler, you're probably moving and jumping and doing all kinds of stuff. I don't know about you, but I sing a lot of songs with my daughter that include jumping. So very important to not, to not, um, urinate when you're doing that. So, um, hopefully it'll brings you a little bit of joy learning a little bit more about your body. And I hope you can find a PT near you because it's, it really was a game changer for me. And I hope everyone knows about it. Like, I hope it becomes not a thing that I randomly learned through Instagram and something that's just guaranteed. Um, so before we go, we always, at the end of every episode, ask, I'll tell you, and then I'll, and then I'll ask you, um, what brought you joy this week? So I'll do it first. Um, what did bring me joy? It's the beginning of the week. I'm trying to think of last week. Last week was kind of stressful. Oh no. Um, so Matt was working a lot lately. And so this weekend he was home and we just had like a really nice family weekend. 
we went and um, out to brunch one day and it was like the best because we can't always go out to eat a lot because of Ruth. You know, she's like a toddler and she's crazy. But at the restaurant, they we were ordering food and they gave us like a little car for her to play with. And she just like one of those cars that you move backwards and then it flies forward. And she was entertained the entire time. We had beers and a delicious brunch. And we were like, this is crazy. Like, are we 22 again? This is fabulous. Because she was just sitting there quietly playing with her car. And it was just the best morning ever. Um, so that brought me joy. What brought you joy this week, Katie? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, well, I am doing my very first Whole30 challenge. Oh, wow. Good for you. I know. I know. Thanks to you. It's been easier than I'm sure it could be. Um, and it was actually the, this past weekend, this does turn into joy. Uh, but I, my husband and I had a really hard conversation because I was so stressed out about all of the cooking and cleaning and grocery mm -hmm. shopping that we've been doing. Um, and, and we ended up being able to get through it. And we went to the beach and we had the most amazing walk on the beach and it was a beautiful day even though it was like 64 degrees outside um, mm -hmm. and I was just so proud of us for going through such a really hard challenge together and yeah. being able to kind of make a positive thing out of it so that's awesome it is very hard to do a whole 30 honestly just the shopping and the prepping and all of the cleaning alone it's ridiculous but yeah it, but then when you remind yourself like I'm choosing to do this no one's forcing me to do this I want to do this. This is good for me. And like, once you're done with the 30 days, you're like, I can do anything. Yeah. I mean, we already kind of feel that way. And I think we're on day like 22 or something like that. Oh, so. so close. Yeah. Yay. Good for you. That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I hope all of you out there go see a PT no matter what, honestly, it kind of seems like we can all, if you are a man or a woman, can benefit from it. So um, thank you so much. We'll add all that info that you shared in the show notes and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at littlebits of underscore real food. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. New episodes will be out every other week. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Keep, Keep it, it joyful. joyful. Thank you.